Hey everybody, do you have a trailer sitting around that only gets used a few times a year for track events or chores or home center runs or whatever? You can rent out your open, enclosed car hauler, dump trailer, travel trailer, etc. when you're not using it on tolos.com, T-O-W-L-O-S.com. If you currently street drive your track, autocross, or drift car to events and need a trailer to travel further, make sure to check out tolos.com, find car hauler trailers available near you. They're building up their inventory. And uh, maybe you can add to it or use it. Don't feel the need to purchase a $5,000 or more trailer when you can rent one for $100 a day or less on Tolos. Let your trailer collect money, not dust. Tolos is an online trailer sharing marketplace. Stoked to help build that marketplace and uh, maybe you can contribute or use a trailer soon. Welcome back to another segment of Why Is My Life So Hard with Adam Jubay and Rob Fields. What's the topic for today, guys? Stop it. <laughs> I like so that. Stop, stopping the race car is the topic. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, what? Uh, what? What are we talking about? Brakes? What? What's so hard about brakes? Lots. Well, they 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 really only slow you down. You know, yeah. they're just a drag. Yeah. Um, that little guy. Don't worry about that little guy. <laughs> no, I um I think. I know there were some um, there were some some endless brake bleeds happening in the in the paddock at uh, a recent event we went to, and I know we um, struggled with that uh, on one occasion um, at NCM where we were we were up all night for two days bleeding brakes, and then Ugh, um, we had a a, a really interesting separate uh, incident uh, last year at Pikes Peak where. Um, we actually had a, um, a broke it. We broke the pedal box. We, we being my He-Man driver, uh, in the car for that one. Um, so I, 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 I think there's, uh, um, you know, especially when you get into, um, swapping, uh, manual systems or like tilt and bias bar systems and stuff like that into cars. I know, um, that, that sometimes can, uh, things don't always play nice together or, or don't behave the way you expect or fail in yeah, ways I, you're not familiar with. I, I put a floor mount, uh, floor mount pedal box in my car because I moved the driver's seat back like 14 inches. And uh, it was my first experience with one of those, aside from a car that I had bought with that had it already, you know. And I thought, I mean, I know about hydraulics. I can deal with brake master cylinder sizing. I can deal with – I know the concepts behind all this stuff. I, I can figure it out. And uh, – I'll tell you what, it took about two events before I thought these brakes are good um, because it's, it's, it was a big learning curve of just what actually distance travel versus this and that. Like it was, it was a thing. It was definitely a thing. So, um, but yeah, I, I feel a lot more, I feel a lot more capable now and I feel like I can figure out how to bleed a thing really well. What's the worst bleeding problem that you've solved for someone or for the, yourself? The, the one that, that was really, kind of diabolical and it was the one we were fighting at that ncm that um that weekend uh back in 21 um we um we had done the the floor mount pedal system um you know tilt and box and and all all the rest um but uh we had retained the stock abs unit um oh. and um effectively um what we uh, what we got into was a situation where um, we were we were bleeding the um, the system properly, but not uh, like the the floor mount system 
out at the calipers, all that stuff as per normal. But um, air had been introduced into the, the ABS block and getting that to bleed out um, was not, uh, not a fun challenge. Um, the thing that compounded it and then kind of, kind of masked that and really sent us reeling was that in the process of doing all this bleeding, trying to get that, um, that ABS block evacuated and, and all of that, um, we had a, a master cylinder seal failure. And oh, so geez. at that point we, we go from, all right, well, we're pushing fluid through, but the brakes still go soft when we turn the car on and, and it gets, um, uh, you know, the ABS system activates to now we're just not pushing fluid or at least right. not as, not as much as we should be. And, uh, um, yeah. what changed? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And, and the, the change was master cylinder seal failed. And, yeah. um, so we, we chased that one for, for a long time. And obviously, you know, at some point we got the right combination of, um, uh, we replaced the masters. Um, I drove from, from NCM down to Nashville fairgrounds and bought some masters down there got those in the car, um, and got the, the correct, um, ABS block bleed process. Um, and, uh, you know, in the, in the end, it all, all was able to be made to work, um, only, only kind of temporarily at the track. And then later when we got back to the shop, we got it all, all properly sorted. But, um, I know that that's a real tough one when, um, when you're used to a kind of a stock system and, and, you know, you, you have maybe some, some complexities that, uh, you know, for us coming from formula cars and sports racers, that was never, never a consideration of how do you bleed an ABS block. Right. Yeah. Every every car has a different ABS block, like bleed procedure. It seems like. So, well, not not only that, but we would put different, um, different, excuse me, um, diagnostic tools on and whatever, and run through the different bleed processes. And each of those had their own, different commands. Um, so like going from the snap on, um, to the Mac unit to, um, just a, a real basic all tell and whatever, uh, all of them actuated the ABS block differently and had different <laughs> corners for the, for the process. And if you weren't paying attention, you can get super crossed up just doing that. Bet, um, yeah. but, um, but that, that was a tough one. And I, I, I think other people have, have struggled with that as well. Trying to, trying to pair, especially when you were, we were still running the OE uh, management in the car. So um, that, that combination was, was just a difficult one. That would be hard. I've got some core like guiding principles of brake bleeding. Cause I've, I usually build things by myself and I've figured out some things and I can run through those quick if you want. Yeah. Um, so everybody's like, Oh, I need a buddy to bleed my brakes. And you don't, um, Sometimes you do, but uh, I always bleed stuff myself, and I never have any issues. And I use, I do it with long pieces of rubber hose, um, and I crack the bleeder just enough. I usually have you know a little bit of grease on the bleeder, so there's no air can get around the threads. Crack the bleeder just a tiny bit, and run that hose off of the bleeder up at least a foot, and then down into a bottle. So it's way higher than the caliper. Uh, or the you know the corner or whatever, um, so the bottle's way up high, and I always make a golden rule of never push all the way when I'm bleeding brakes. Um, and the reason for that is the master cylinder typically isn't designed to operate all the way, and sometimes you can cut the O-rings and the seals and the masters not O-rings but seals on the actual piston. 
Um, so I never floor the piston all the way, especially if it's old, because you might have some corrosion at the bottom of that bore, you know, because there's water in your brakes sometimes. The brake fluid's supposed to suck that up, but you can get a little bit of corrosion at the bottom of things. And I always do about a half push. Uh, I crack that bleeder, and then I just do half pushes and slow release ups so the air will rise up in that rubber hose and stay up, and then it will suck the fluid back down into the caliper. So that's how I bleed. Uh, Typically, if I'm just running some fluid through it to swap the fluid, I do that. Uh, you can also turkey baster out the master cylinder, put the fresh fluid up there. That's one way to not have to bleed all the old fluid out. Um, and if you can't get something to bleed and you're confident everything is right, change the angle of the car. Like, throw the car at, like, as high up in the front or as high up in the back as you possibly can. And then you can also tap the lines with wrenches and stuff, and sometimes that'll move a, a bubble if a bubble's stuck somewhere. So those are my those are my typical rules, and they usually make it work. So yeah, that's um, it, it's it's interesting your note about not not pushing all the way on the um while while you're Domestic. bleeding um yep. the um I saw saw one recently where someone had, had run through like four or five masters in their car, and um it had been uh, I guess a known issue where the um, the manufacturing process, this is an OE master, not like a Tilton or Wilwood or something. Um, yeah, for sure. but the OE mass, the OE master, um, whatever aftermarket, um, brand, uh, it was, they, they don't deburr some of the ports properly or something. And so it's like a known issue that it cuts up the seal. If you, yeah, so if you run uh, past it too far. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That that one, I I can't imagine putting four four masters in a car and uh, what my temp what my uh, my blood pressure would be like <laughs> on the fourth. It's like literally order. the worst. It's the worst job. Like just, that's the worst job. Um, I'd almost rather pull a motor than than, than work on brakes. You know, at yeah, the racetrack it can be. But but yeah, I, I typically only go a little further than I would go when it, when the brakes are perfect. I'll go halfway, maybe. So yeah. when the brakes are done and you're on track, you're never going more than twenty five or fifty percent on the master cylinder. So that's about as far as I go. Just to, my grandpa told me that when I was like ten and I was bleeding brakes on his dune buggy, he said, "Don't push <laughs> it all the way; it'll tear up the master cylinder seals." And he was he literally raced you know circle track stuff with like a Desoto Hemi in like the fifties. He he probably went through a bunch of poorly built parts. So. Wow. Um, yeah, been a, been a, uh, been top of mind. I never, I never push it hard. I never push it fast. I always push it, you know, I push it hard, but I never push it hard and fast all the way to the floor. Just smooth movements on that pedal when you're bleeding. So yeah. don't just get your, uh, your significant other in there and tell them to pump the brakes. They're going to maybe ruin your day. Yeah, truly. One, one thing that does come to mind, we, uh, in a previous segment talked about, um, car specific tools. And, and how, yeah. you, you know, your, your tool strategy per car kind of thing. Um, definitely, especially um, if you've got relatively small calipers and small bleeders, um, we always have uh, brake bleed specific low profile wrenches. Um, oh, yeah. you, know, you can often find um, even at, you know, like a, a Harbor Freighter or a Napper or whatever, they'll sell like a little pouch that has a bunch of really thin, like really thin uh, wrenches. Yeah. And um, throwing a couple of those on like a carabiner or a zip tie or something, and and put those in the toolbox and and save them specifically for brake bleeding. Um, I, I know we we use um, a real a real small uh, caliper on uh, one of our cars that has 
They're they're tiny little bleeders. They're quarter inch uh, wrench. Um, oh, I hate those. And um, it was really not not possible to keep uh, the bleeder hose on uh, the bleeder and not introduce air while using like a standard size wrench. Um, yeah, it's so just too big. It's it's you know a seven dollar kind of thing. You throw them in the toolbox, you have them forever. Uh, highly recommend that being one of the kind of car specific tools. Yeah, I actually had a I had the same quarter inch wrench thing, and I just threw it at the grinder and used an old Craftsman wrench. And I had my bleeder wrench for my it was a Willwoods, and I think my my spoon calipers have a similar setup. So, yeah, got that bleeder specific wrench that's just a little thinner. Absolutely. Anyway. I think when you do a whole show on brakes, brakes are fun to talk about, actually. <laughs> as long as as long as yeah. they're working. <laughs> yeah, they're fun to talk about because they're really not fun to work on, and so I'd rather tell people on how to not ruin your weekend. So, right. awesome! Thanks everybody for listening, cool. and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Hi, Adam. Hey, man. What's going on? We're in two separate places, always two separate tracks. Uh, which means that the uh, which means that the audio might be slightly better, but don't get your hopes up. <laughs> don't get used to it. Uh, I'm in Newark, Delaware, which Newark, is Delaware. a city just outside of Wilmington, Delaware, which is a city just outside of Philadelphia. What are you doing there? I am at the University of Delaware recruiting uh, the next generation of talented young minds to join the chemical industry. That's the nerdiest possible way you could say that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I tried. Yeah. Um, well, how long are you going to be there for? Uh, we leave in the morning. Uh, I got here okay. last night, and um, I get up at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Or no, I get up at 5 so that I can leave here by 6. Um, yep. I catch an 8.30 flight, and then I'll be at work by 10.15. Ew, gross. They're making you go straight to work, huh? Yeah, probably. Unless okay, I'm well. unless I'm looking really ratty. <laughs> if you just don't comb your hair and you look like a totally different person. I'll uh, put no, that's a pro true. awesome hat. That is true. <laughs> just come in with a green pro awesome hat, you'll be fine. Uh I haven't talked to you in a long time. How's your it's world? It's probably been Well, we talked a little bit with Dave Calzada last week, but that was just a show. We didn't actually talk like to each other much um my world's okay um i've kind of enjoyed a couple weeks off of grid life but it's been a lot of like email and phone call grid life just not in-person grid life right well we're Um, we're about ready to start the last dash like flurry of events i think it's a couple back-to-backs oh gosh that one's that's gonna be hard yeah, we got Heartland, and then five, six days later, we're in Willow Springs in California. Um, those events will both be like uh, more manageable events and probably fun events, but like that's a lot of travel in, in a week. Yeah. But. Well, um, my American Airline miles are uh, rack, racking up. Mm hmm. So. I'm a, I'm a big United guy now. Well, like <laughs> Chicago is really nice for United, but I'm in a small airport. Right. So you really just take the airline that offers the flight you need. Hey, if American works, American works. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I've been been playing with cars a little bit. Oh, um, yeah. I, uh, I think I've got my 
Civic, the most dialed it's ever been. Did a ton of like, you know, those, you know, like when you put together a car, there's like all these little tiny things that you're like, I'll do that later. Yeah. And then you just never, you just never do those things. Um, I have a list of like, I had a list of like 20 of them and I did like 15 of them, which is a lot. <laughs> well, so, knowing feel, you feel good. now that the car is getting pretty dialed, now it's time to take it apart and start over. Time to either blow it up or just get sick of it and put a different engine in. Yeah. Yeah. You're really good at building the car, but you're not so good at driving the car. Finishing it. Well, I I finish it to the point of like, oh, it went on a racetrack twice. And then I take it apart because there's something I don't like. And that's been the case. It's been the, or it blew up and I want to change everything. And, um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really debating on whether I take it to Heartland or not or take the fit and compete in Sunday Cup. Well, that'd be uh, nice. Sunday Cup group, Sunday Cup group chat seems to think I need to compete in Sunday Cup, but like my coilovers got rattly top hats. Uh, yeah, that the happens. trans fluid probably needs to be changed. Um, I feel like the front sway bar, which is still on, because I feel like taking it off would be dumb, and everybody's like, "You don't take it off," and they only take it off because everybody else told them to take it off. I feel like a, an end link is going bad. Um, it doesn't have a front. It doesn't have any ABS because I put one of the wheel bearings in backwards and I haven't taken it apart to redo it yet. Um, but that's all like that's like an hour worth of work. So maybe I'll throw it in the lift on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. So uh, I haven't – I'm like out of the loop because I uh, – we're not on sea tickets this year. We're using Torque Hub. So I, I have no idea to yep. like look at the number of drivers who have tickets for the different events that we're offering. Um, yeah. What is Supergrid going to be like? Um, probably not. Not at all, or not. Yeah, probably not happening. There's not nearly enough buyers. We sent a survey out, and like a bunch of people were like, "Yeah, I'll do that," and then they just didn't sign up. Yeah. So it's not looking like it's going to happen. Well, it's it's so. not like we gave them a ton of notice. We've flip flopped a little bit. Well, the tickets have been out for a couple of weeks, but they should have been out for eight months they were out long time ago and we put a bunch of like advertising into Supergrid, but it didn't find any of our people that wanted to do it we like put paid advertising in grm and some other stuff but like we really didn't talk about it much because we talk about too many things like in our own social channels and discord and all that stuff yeah um so yeah my my current thought with Supergrid is Mid to late season next year, we find a weekend that we can maybe pack it out. We talk about it for six months, and if it's rad, it's rad, and if it's not, it's dead. So yeah, well, like know. we need to we'll give see. advance notice, I think. And at the moment, we haven't really spent much time talking about this, but at the moment, I I have to like, I think that people are putting like everything into a GLTC season. And yeah. I don't know or how their much, champ car. I don't know how much crossover we're going to get. It's like, no, it's like yeah. a separate audience that we have to build. Yeah. That's the problem. Like I, I figured there'd be a bunch of like regional spec Miatas that wanted to do stuff. And like there were, they just didn't buy tickets. Cause like they're doing their three regional, three regional, regional, uh, Nasser SEC events. And that's what they do, I guess. Yeah. You know? Um, and similarly, like B spec stuff, like, Figured there'd probably be a bunch of B spec people, and they're like, "No, nah, I do a couple of those, and that's all I do." You know, yeah, right. A lot of people are. There's a lot of options out there, a lot of choices, and so I can't really, I can't really like complain that people are busy because they are. There's there's a lot of choices out there, and so. even within our series, like if if you take the GLTC drivers, uh, 
maybe not all of them are racing for the front, but uh, right. are you're not really going to peel off a GLTC field from itself to put them into super grids. So like you have to just get more. And those people, if you get more, those people might just want to race GLTC. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a th- experiment I still like in my brain, but I don't like how we have promoted or announced these things. They've both been late. Yep. And then earlier this year, like we pr- we talked about it and promoted it, but like, or we promoted it, but we didn't talk about it, you know, um, anywhere really. So it's it's sort of on us that it's you know that's not found its home either. So I still think we'll it's see. a it's a cool competition like offering. Yeah, we just need to it needs to find its place. Right. Yeah. And I like I'm not I don't, I don't think like I don't think it's a a bad rule set because so many people are like, oh, I like that rule set. And I don't think it's a bad style of event because a lot of people are like, oh, I could do that. But I also think that the people that thought that and said those compliments or praise uh, already had their 2024 filled and they're probably going to do the same thing in 2025. That's yeah, the right, problem. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what I'm going to take to Heartland. It'll, it'll be something. Um, Colin and I are going on Thursday night and then finishing the drive Friday morning, uh, getting the, the trailer like unpacked and repacked a little bit to where it's easier to deal with it at Willow, um, do the event, and then send it to Willow Springs. So it'll be an interesting one. And you're flying, you're flying into LAX of Willow, and yep. I think... I think my arrival time is pretty similar to yours, and I'm taking a red eye back uh, yep. to Charlotte, which is basically coast to coast, uh, and then from Charlotte back to Louisville. So that's going to yep. suck. Yeah, I think uh, me and Carson are on the same flights for Friday and Sunday night, taking the red eye also. So we'll be going to the airport together. And uh, I think Emma is landing just after Carson and I, so you're going to have to probably wait a couple cumulative hours, but the four of us will probably trip up to Willow. We'll be the first ones there. We get into the semi-truck and plug in the transponders and figure out if we need to tape down a loop. um, can say about living in a, like a, let's call it a B city or a C city in terms of size, Uh, having so few options to take direct flights to faraway places is the thing that I like dislike the most. Gotta be the worst. Yeah. Like Um, working. um, If, if grid life is going to be a national series that does events all over the place, living Chicago would be infinitely easier. Like having Emma in (laughs) the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin sucks bad. Yeah. She's hours and hours from us. Um, She's probably four or five hours from Chicago, right? Yep. And so, like, she flies out of Appleton, Wisconsin most of the time. And that's, like, that's right. a dinky airport. That's way worse than Louisville. The, she's actually found some halfway decent ones. But, but uh, yeah, way less options. Yeah. So. so, like, best case scenario, you're flying to Chicago or Detroit and then going somewhere, probably. Yep. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, what else is new? Um, what, uh, what are your plans for, um, Heartland? How are you getting out there? I am going to fly to Kansas city knowing it doesn't save me a ton of actual time. I'm going to fly just so that I get some working hours. Um, like so that I don't have to take all of the time as PTO 
Whereas if I were, if I were driving nine and a half hours in a car, I can't really do anything else unless I'm having someone drive me. And so uh, I'm going to fly, I'm going to do a little work and I'm going to minimize my PTO. uh, And then I'll make sure that I get back at a reasonable time on Sunday. Okay. So not too terrible. That's like what an hour and a half, two hours from the track. It's an hour 15. And I expect that John Raymond and I will be carpooling um, to and from the airport. So uh, it should work out. Okay. Good, good. Uh, I have now, I bought my car three months ago. I have 10,000 miles on my car. Really? Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. How many miles do you drive a day? I forget. Uh, 40 to 50. But we've, it has become like our go-to on most of our, uh, like, distance travel. I mean, I'm not driving it to Heartland, but like we, we drive it back home to see family. We drive it to Cincinnati to yep. go do a thing. We drive it to Indy to go do a thing, whatever. I, I think Is I've that made, a cost thing or just because you like it? Uh, both. I mean, like it's, it's one third the price of the fit to drive. That seems unbelievable. Yeah. Because uh, I know electricity is not free. Extra, electricity <laughs> is not free. You're right. Um, but <laughs> on so a crazy. miles per gallon equivalent, I think it's like 110 or something like that. Oh, my gosh. So, like, it's cheap. That's pretty cheap. Yep. And then you get, and sometimes you get places, like at Mid-Ohio, you just plugged into a 50 amp. I love that. Then, it's my favorite. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, there's 300 free miles or whatever. Yep. So, so um, um, what else? I'm, yeah, I'm the, looking forward to go to... Uh, Willow. I haven't been in a few years. Not since. Yeah, you COVID. didn't go last year, but you went the year before, right? No, not since COVID. Oh, so you only went the first the time. first year? Yeah. Yeah, we red eyed back together. I remember what that. a trip! Yeah, that was a that was a whirlwind. This one's going to be the same thing. <laughs> well, the difference between that event and this one is we both red eyed back, but I red eyed to Chicago with you and then drove. Uh, from Chicago to Indy to go to work. Oh yeah, yeah that, yeah that sucks. It did. Yeah, that, that's right. You picked me up and brought me to the airport in your Jeep that got stolen in Canada. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah, I wonder if that Jeep is like in the desert somewhere. I, uh, I bet a there's a machine gun like, mounted to the roof. I was just gonna say there's. I hope there's like a fifty cal or an AK mounted right on the roof. <laughs> but knowing how reliable it yeah. was, it probably broke down a long time ago. It, there's got to be like a def delete that uh, that the non EPA world has for that. Yeah, probably. But the, um, was that a VM Mutori V6? It is. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an unreliable but rad engine at the same time. I mean, it's a thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, what time do you have to wake up tomorrow? You said five. About five. Yeah. Uh, because I'm there? going like straight to work, I kind of need to get cleaned up to get on the plane for before I go. Yeah. Yeah, it's pushing ten o'clock there right now. Uh, yep, almost. Yep. Um, all right. I had something I want to talk with you about. What's that? Um, so right now you're in this like, oh, I work in motorsports, um, but I don't really do that thing. Um, since you've like played with other cars and like now transitioned into this, I'm an adult, but I'm still there a little bit. Um. Do you see yourself competing again or driving in anger again or for fun? I mean, you know, whatever you call it. Uh, uh, and it, 
if you did, what would it be in? And if not, uh, is there anything that attracts you to it? Actually, I so I hung out with Aaron earlier this week, and he asked me about it. He asked me almost this exact question. He's like, "You are around motorsports all the yeah. time. Uh, do you not at least get a little tempted to get back into driving competitively? And right, if right. not, like how?" And I, my answer at the time was, unlike when I was driving competitively. Uh, I am very, very mindful of spending now, um, more than I was. And <laughs> you weren't back then. <laughs> I was not then whatever it cost. That's what I paid. And yeah, reckless even aid. now the idea of spending, I don't know, $1,500 on a set of tires that are going to be, you know, good for a few events and then just be thrown away feels so frivolous. Yep. Don't um, say it out loud, dude. What's that? <laughs> I said, don't say it out loud. These people listening. Well, I, no, I mean, like I, I know that it is fun and I know that there is so much joy to have in that experience, but I just right. myself, I can't get over the hump of feeling guilty about spending money. And yeah, I, um, I can see that. I, maybe this is just me getting older or whatever it is, but I saw a thread on Reddit at one point that was like a poll to the other readers that said, you know, what's a hallmark characteristic of a person that used to be poor or grew up poor. And, uh, one of the like replies that I identified with a lot was like, um, essentially infinite guilt about spending money for something that you can afford, but don't feel like you should buy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, I get that. Um, yep. And so uh, it, I've always had that and I can totally commiserate with that for sure. And I, I would say at the moment, that's the thing I can't really get past is like, I will, take whatever your budget is. It just like, if it's, you know, three figures or four figures or five figures or hell, I think some of our drivers are in the six figure budgets. Like I just, I don't know. It just, I can't. Um, I think largely that's why I still play with the cars that I play with because like tires are virtually free. I usually buy cast offs, you know, stuff like that. Low weight, light consumables, junk I have laying around. And that's probably why I'm still in it. Because if I was like brand new car payment, brand new 17, 18, 19 inch tires, giant brakes, all that kind of stuff, I don't think I'd be, I, don't, I wouldn't be doing that at all. Not that I drive a ton, but I, you know, I, I get a bunch of hours in this year. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I would. If it were closer, I would autocross more. Um, okay. the, the Corvette Museum is, what, 90 minutes to two hours away from my house. Uh, I right. would love to autocross the Tesla more. I think it would be a fun new experience. But that's like I can't give up that much time given that I give up so much of my personal time to grid life already. So like, I would yeah. also yeah. like to do one lap of America, but... I choose to spend my time with grid life instead of doing competition driving with one lap. And yeah, you're literally working a second job instead of, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's working a second job, but it is my preference to do that over right. doing a personal thing. I suppose. I get that. That's part of the reason I don't, I, you know, I, I don't think I've driven anything besides uh, our events at all this year. I haven't driven a lot of them, but uh Yeah. 
That's that's the reason is like, oh, I should probably hang out with my wife and kid. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, one lap is more than a week away from whatever you're doing, right? So it's a week away from family. It's a week off of work, whatever. And and it's probably if if you did it lightly, I like even if you like just bolted tires and brakes onto your Tesla, like lightly prep wise, it's still probably like a month of your brain power and energy. Yeah. So you're going to come home and be dead for a week. You can be dead prepping for it for a week. You know, like it's a lot. Well, and and you can think of you can think of one lap in general as a week's worth of track days packed into one week. Uh, interesting. Yep. It's not actually that much track time. It's only a few laps at each course. Um, like but but the cost to run the event is consistent with a week worth of track days in a week. You know what I mean? Like yep. it is. If you did seven HPDE in a row, imagine how much that costs. That's how much the entry yeah, fee for one lap is. Um, be like three or four grand. Yep. Yeah, and you're staying at hotels each night. You've got all the transpo costs. You've got the tires and the consumables and the food and all that stuff. Um, it's it's a big event where for most people on a modest budget, that's that's their entire year in one week. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty wild. And so if uh, if you did have to uh, like if if Nazis had your parents and you had to play with cars for a year right now and you could afford it like cost is no object, you know, within reason, say you had to put you had to put a modest, modest budget on your current salary, what would you play with? Um, honestly, it I don't know that it's the best. It's not the best track car. But the thing that I think would be the most interesting at the moment is the plaid that Andrew had that was at Mid-Ohio. Oh, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm most interested in that car specifically because and it's an executive sedan that weighs 5,000 pounds that did a 27 at Mid-Ohio driving to and from the racetrack like it's pretty wild. on its own power. That's cool. Yep. How many cars wild. can do that? Very few, but you can't do, you can't do 180 miles on track on like a, an open track day either. That's true. But like, um, you probably do 60. Is that like, is that the metric for fun or not? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think it depends. It depends for everybody else. Well, and I, as an example of like a weird critique that people, automotive journalists and even people like to, to parrot is, oh, XYZ car can't do a 20 minute session without overheating and i was like well almost nothing can <laughs> nothing really can um or yeah. like it, it can't do a 20 minute session without the tires getting greasy and i was like well wait a minute any tire <laughs> that is maybe not like an rs4 but um if you're driving really well and really fast um what tire is going to last a 20 minute session and feel excellent most of the high performance 200 treadwares don't last 20 minute sessions well. Right. They do fine. Um, yeah, journalists are dumb. Well, it just, it knows. They're like, like, oh, the brakes faded after seven laps. I'm like, yeah. It, so? And, or like, even, you know, even feedback on it certain cars really is like, impressive. oh, the, you know, the, the brakes don't feel good on track. And it's like, well, wait a minute. It's a stock pad 
if yeah, you bought this with the intention the of, of going onto the racetrack, the first thing you do is change the pads and fluid. The first thing. Yeah. Yeah, you put SRF or RBF and some freaking Winmaxes or G-Locks or Hawks. Like, you do something. <laughs> you just don't do that. And so it's it's a critique, yeah. but it's not real. Yep. Like, the, the expectation My, that you're holding this particular make and model of car to just doesn't make sense. And it, it makes you right. sound like a dummy. And that might be, yeah, I mean, my expectation is lap times, like if I'm in a stockish car. Not lap times, but seat time. But um, the trade-off for seat time, like you said, might be like, oh, I could put pads and tires and maybe like some bolt-on suspension on this car. And like it would have been the fastest car at Mid-Ohio the first time that we were there. And there was big unlimited cars there the first time. Yeah. Like, well, like that's nuts. Uh, take maybe um – a Civic Type do R. Do seven of those. Oof. Um, yeah. Like the the Civic Type R. Uh, maybe maybe I wouldn't say plaid. I think the Civic Type R also has my attention. But yeah, that'd be a good one. Um, like what what would be my expectation for owning a Civic Type R? Maybe it's like two or three really really fast laps in a row. Like right. that's not a twenty minute session, but it would be like going hard for a few laps and then chilling out a little bit like that. For me, yep. that's a reasonable expectation for a track day car. Yeah, you warm up, you do three or four flyers, you scare yourself a little bit, and then you do a cool down, and you did two-thirds of the session. And, yeah, you got your money worth. You got you had a good time. And so, like, I don't know. Maybe that's a contrast to an S2000 where you just go out and you, you just, like, bang out lap after lap after lap, you know, for 20 minutes in a row. But are you going to do that straight for two days and, like, think that's fun? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I, like, I think back to the times when I used to do that for fun, and I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Like, it's it's not actually. You know what I mean? It, that, the appeal of that to me is, uh, I don't, it's probably good for somebody, yeah. but I guess I would rather focus my attention on trying to get, uh, you know, like, trying to optimize for a really good lap or right. something like that. Right. Yeah, it's interesting how how you start to look at it differently. Like before, you're like, "Oh man, the session got cor- cut short by two minutes because somebody had to be towed." That sucks. And I and I would have been like, "I didn't notice because I was off the track six minutes before that." You know? Right. Right. Uh, it's interesting. I don't know. Um, I think the Civic Type R would be a fantastic car if the goal was to like, you know, put down some fast laps, but not the intention of running a 25 minute session continuously. Like the, right. I don't know. That's just not, that doesn't appeal to me at all. I I still have a couple of dreams like for someday, but they probably won't happen like track car wise. Um, Which are my cost. No, like my, I don't really have like a cost uh, is no object track car. Like I don't have that thought. I like, I never have had that thought. You know, I spent way too many years like making $19,000 a year and still doing track days somehow by like instructing and, used parts and used everything and flipping cars on the side and stuff. Um, like flipping, meaning fixing and selling. And um, So I don't really like daydreaming about Corvettes or Vipers or anything like that or Lotus Elises or anything, but I still daydream about welding up my own frame and building a low-cost 7, like a ghetto version of a Lotus 7 or a Caterham 7. Okay. Um, you, you probably saw Emil's, didn't you? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, his is like the most perfect version of that. Yeah, his um, Emil's car is very, but, very nice. 
it's probably nicer than most cat room sevens. Yeah. Um, like probably by a lot. Uh, it, everything about it is basically flawless. But I, I, I daydream about those cars. I've never driven one on track. I probably should someday. But um, it was pro- that was basically the basis for the chassis. That was my Frasier yep. sports racer. Yep. It was a, it was a Lotus Seven chassis. I really don't know um, why you sold that uh, again. Just time and space. Just and brain just power. commit to owning it. Somehow you'll probably end up getting it back. Just commit to owning it. Well, the dude who I sold it to is like fully transforming it suspension wise and arrow wise and everything for SCCA B mod autocross, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I I I just saw it like it, it was just having it in like in my world was like it was too much. There's just too many projects. When you look at the RV, I always got a trailer I got to work on. I always got to do something to this, like work on the house. Um, sometimes the, the things that you own, own you. That was the, th- that was the problem. So, yeah, that's a, that's a nice uh, reference to fight club, right? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, I, I daydream about one of those cars still. And then I also like, like if I had to start over, I'd probably just, just have a fit and not have anything else. So, yeah, like it'd be so easy. And like you get, you could, I could probably be P four, three, four, five in Sunday Cup. You know, like I could probably do that. Man, what's up with these the Sunday Cup time. drivers crashing at our events? Because it's hard, and you got to try too hard, and then you crash, you crash into the wall. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm just not fast enough, but I've never been in a position where I felt like I was out of control of my fit. Oh, I have been. <laughs> it's, it's very, very possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can do it wrong. You can definitely do if it you wrong if too. you chuck it in that hard. Like, is it not easy to bring it back? Uh, not always. Not if it starts looping. Yeah, and I mean the turning is the problem. It still turns pretty well, and when you do when you do something wrong, uh, the only time I've actually spun my fit, I think. Yeah, the only time I've spun it on track, no, I've spun it twice. The only time I've spun it on track uh, in its first iteration was when we did that winning formula track day. Yeah. And and I was like, I wonder if I can do turn one almost flat. And so I lifted and then turned in, and I couldn't. <laughs> uh, did it did it loop on you because you lifted or like you had a weight transfer problem or you just didn't no, have like, the grip? Instead of braking, like maybe I broke. Yeah, I must have broke because I was going, you know, 100 something. But like turn one's pretty fast at Putnam. Yeah, uh, it's a fast right hander, and I every time I would come out of turn one when I like braked the way I thought I needed to brake, I would come out of turn one and be like, "What did you even slow down for? This is this sucks. You could have gone way faster through here." And then the one time that I tried way too hard, I tried way too hard, and I also ran like a stupid line because I panicked like mid line, and I looped it, and I went off. Um, I think one t- one other time I went four wheels off trying it again, uh, and then I just tightened up my braking uh, and like didn't slow down as much. I, th- I can't remember what I ran. I want to say it was like a twenty seven, but I don't remember. Uh, you were on like, I think, I think isn't like a seventeen eighteen fast? Like uh, Derby yeah. was running like a seventeen Decently or eighteen fast. Yeah, I think Derby you were ran running like seventeens recently. Yeah, I think you were running like a 22, 23, which is fast for such an unprepped car. Yep. And I think I felt fine being like the differential between you and Derby and me and you was the same differential. And I think yeah. I ran like a 27 or 26. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I put 
coilovers on it. I did a Waterford track day last year just to check Waterford Hills, which is out in Detroit. I checked that out, and the coilovers on the front were coilovers, and the coilovers in the rear were were OEM shocks and coilover springs because one of the coilover shocks that I bought was bent. Oh, boy. Um, so I just put the... Because the rears are shocks on a fit. It's just like an eyelet shock, you know, that goes up to the, into a thing on the bottom. And the springs are on the axle. And so I was oversprung with an undershocked in the back. And there's this one section of Waterford, like it wraps around the paddock. Um, it's a short track, but really, really fun, very technical. Um, and there's this one section where, like, I was, the curbs are pretty big. It's kind of like a, it's a left, right uh, S's kind of thing, but, Slow, similar to like patience at Autobahn, you know. Okay. Uh, but the curbs are bigger, and if you jump them wrong in a fit that's under under dampened in the rear, you get into like a pogo, oh, and like, no. it, dude, dude, it was bad. Like the back of the the back of the car was probably a foot off the ground. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> like it was a bounce, bounce, and then the car just looped because the back tires were literally a foot in the air, um, and it wasn't great. But, uh, yeah, I learned not to hit the curbs that way. So it was like I hit the curbs and touched the brakes at the, just just the wrong time, and the car like felt like it was going to flip over. <laughs> Dude, so, that, that uh, sounds Yeah, you can screw up a fit. Scary. No, I need, I need to – my plan is to just get new OEM shocks and struts and then cut the springs again because I really like that car just on cut springs. It was great. So. Uh, I got a call and a text message from the um, – Honda dealership in Kenosha, they have a yeah. blue Type R that's ready for me. If I was uh, still in the market, I had to tell them I was not <laughs> in the market anymore because it's, it's dude. It's been like six months. Yeah, dude. I'm it's, it's probably been eight months since you were looking at those. Yep, yep. That's a long time. I I already bought a car and put ten thousand miles on it. Yeah, that's ten thousand miles is a year worth of driving for most people. Yeah, you've already done that. So, in three months, wild. yeah, yeah. What uh, what were they asking? Like fifty nine. Oh, I don't know. I didn't even ask. I'm yeah. uh, those, I'm not. Those new ones are real pretty. Ever gonna pay twenty thousand over sticker for anything ever? I can't imagine wanting something that bad. I I cannot. Like I, I mean, to want to want something to that bad to pay. What is that like? Twenty thousand over stickers, like you're paying sixty six percent extra or something? Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Why would you do that? And we didn't talk about it, and I, um, I don't know the the circumstances, so I'm not like uh, reprimanding this driver. But um, we had, I think, one sizable crash or incident at NJMP when we were there, and it right. was a guy who came to our event last year in Elantra N and had um, bought up. So traded in the Elantra N to buy a new Type R. It was white. It was beautiful. And mm-hmm. I talked to him about it before he went out on track. Um, he paid oh boy. well over sticker and then just totaled <laughs> oh no. the car. Uh, I've, Did I've, he really? I felt really bad. Uh, like bad, bad? Yeah, it was bad. Like um, many panels. So not probably not total because of the cost of the car, but... A lot of body work. Yeah, like uh, the hood, the front suspension, the fender, both doors, the rocker panel all the way from front to back, the rear quarter and the trunk and the rear bumper. Like, it was a pretty bad crash. 
not like so in terms of uh, I think it was into tires. So like not he wasn't injured, but it was just it was a lot of impact. Yeah, it sounds like into the wall and then spun around and kept wrecking the car. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah. But uh, that sucks. That sucks, right? And it sucks for that car, and it sucks that it was a car that, um, even if it was properly insured, getting another one is hard. Right. You just have to wait for the body shot, probably. Yeah. Do you ever hear back from him or no? No, I. Uh, Someone that I know had inquired on whether or not it would be available for insurance sale, but that's the last I knew. It was unclear if the insurance was going to total it or not. Okay. Was someone that you know a YouTuber? Uh, perhaps. <laughs> I, I just had a gut feeling, dude. I didn't. I actually don't know the story. <laughs> um, yeah. But we'll see. And okay. I don't know. I, I think that would... That would bum me out a lot to crash a car that I had waited that long for. And even if the insurance paid out sufficiently to have it be so hard to replace would be frustrating. Right. Yeah. That's, that would bum me out. Yeah. That's why I play with cheap things. Well, I did do a, the Tesla is the first thing I've had in a long time. That is just a, it's just an appliance. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. I know it's a Model 3 performance, but it's not really an enthusiast car. Everything that I've had for the last more than a decade has had some enthusiast angle or, or like weirdness appeal. Like, yeah, even like, even your Jeep and your pickup truck were like, oh, I could tow my enthusiast car with this right. and use it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Evo was an enthusiast car. My Subaru was, a, the right. WRX was an enthusiast car. Uh, the Mugen was an enthusiast car. So, like, it is kind of weird to be in a thing that doesn't really have that draw. Um, yeah, even your fit was like a full prep Sunday Cup car with coilovers. Yeah. And uh, yep. Derby went all in and has been tracking it a lot. Um, Good. And he's listening to the show now, I'm sure. So, hi, Derby. Come get your shirts at my house, please. Um, so Why do you take uh, his shirts off at your house? No, he uh, he bought a FireLab <laughs> subscription, but he keeps leaving his shirt at my house. <laughs> it's happened now twice. I wanted, a more, I wanted a more sexy reason for him to have his shirt at your house. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 uh, yeah, it's weird to, to have an Abe without a, without a toy. I mean, now you just got a different toy. That's it's, all. I mean, it's, it's just, it's so fast. It's so. I, I like that you like dumb it. on the interstate. Yeah, that's a dual motor, right? Yep, yep. Why is it? Why was it so reasonable? Um, I don't know. So yeah, because I thought those were like sixty thousand bucks. Uh, after tax, it was like fifty four. Oh, I thought it was cheaper than that. Um, but no, it gets a tax credit, so. It's like yeah. 45. Oh, yeah, that's pretty reasonable. <laughs> it's it's pretty reasonable if you consider an Accord at like 38 or 39. Yeah, pretty reasonable. And you were like looking at Volvos for like almost double that. Uh, I saw one here in Delaware and I was like uh, it was the it was the Polestar with the Olin suspension and the big Brembos and whatever. I saw one at the airport and I was like, "Uh." Yeah, I saw I saw one in like Naperville the other day. Good it's such a beautiful car. Yeah. Good looking car. But the the thing that I don't think I said this on the show, but the thing that really turned me off about that idea for a car, Factory Olin's is an awesome flex. It is. Mm-hmm. 
but they still have a life cycle and there will be a period where they cycle out. So the option is, this is on your daily driver. Your option is spend like 10 grand on another set at the dealership or wherever, or Mm -hmm. take everything apart and mail them back to whoever will rebuild them. And your car sits until they return. Right. And it's like, no, no, this is my <laughs> daily terrible. driver. Both of those options are horrible. Right. Yeah. And so that was probably, probably that, pretty bad options. The practical person in me was like, no, no, you just, if it's your daily driver, you just need like interchangeable parts and you don't need to spend a fortune on them. Yeah. The, you, you got to think like the average person that's buying that it's probably not a ton of mileage use or it's somebody that like, I'm not, I'm going to own this for three years and then it's going to go to the next owner at 60,000 miles and I don't care. Right. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much, that's somebody else's problem for most people. You'd probably drive it 80,000 miles and then be wanting to spend a bunch of money and then have a conundrum and find your next thing. So Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, even if I was buying parts from FCP Euro or whatever, like, no, a second set of suspension at that like replacement cost is a lot of money. And those are like clicky knob adjustable Olins. Yeah, too, right? they're awesome. Yeah, they're like actual motorsport Olins. Yeah, and that's Pretty like wild. that's cool, but in a car with an open diff, like you're not going to track Kinda it. Unnecessary. It's like not. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> neat and it's a cool flex, but it like has no. It has no purpose because it's not a good track car. Yeah. And most people that like twist those knobs, it's going to be when they're like, oh, they're they're showing it to their brother-in-law at like the birthday party. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can adjust the shocks like this. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> like that's probably it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the reason I, that I wanted it was because of the EV capability mostly. Um, right. And so like. Well, the car I have does those things pretty well, actually. Sure does. And uh, yeah. it's an appliance, and when I'm done with it, I'll just find something else. I like that you're happy with it. I, I am actually um, really happy with it. If it were way slower, it would not be nearly as much fun. The fast one is yeah, fun. But, yeah, on wraps have to rule with that. Uh, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. Uh, I made a big uh, a big life change. Do you want to hear about it? Yes. I bought a shed. Oh. Dude, my garage. You've been in my garage with my car in there, right? Yeah. There ain't a lot of room. Like, I have a two-post lift in a two-car garage. And so it's real snug. The wife has to pull in at a slight angle. Um, and uh, I got to put a lawnmower somewhere, right? Sure. And the other day, <laughs> so the lawnmower goes next to the driver's side of my car. The car backs in. So the lawnmower's on the far side of the garage between the garage wall and my two post li- and my car, my two post lift is three inches from the side of the garage. So just enough room to reach in and pull like the lever release for like the locks on it. Right. Um, and so when I'm working on the driver's side of the car, like changing brake pads, which I did two weeks ago, like I'd read it all, I went through the brakes and stuff. Um, put some G lock R 16s on, I think, I think 16s, maybe 12s. I don't remember. I have to look at the box. Um, whichever one Houghton told me to put on because he's killed so many sets of G-Locks and he knows all the things about G-Lock. So um, I put new pads on, put new rotors on. I bled. I, I found that one of my brake lines was uh, 
was slightly kinked, like the braided stainless brake line. It had like what looked like a little kink in it, which that could lead to failure, so I ordered new brake lines. Uh, glad that I nut and bolted all these things. Went through the whole car, checked everything. Um, and I kept, when I'm working on the driver's side front, I kept like almost falling over because I have to stand up completely straight and then my body is right next to the car because the lawnmower is kicking in two feet, right? Oh, 20 man. inches or whatever. And it pissed me off so many times. And then I'm like, I've hated this forever. Why have I dealt with this forever? Um, so I rage purchased a shed. <laughs> And I'm really stoked about That's it. That's awesome. Dude, I put a shelf in it. So I just put it off to the side of my house, you know, right next to the house. Put a shelf in it, got the gas cans out of my garage, propane tank out of my garage, so like actual fire safety. It's in a metal shed now, you know? Oh, good. Um, and uh, got those off the ground in a metal shed. Uh, got uh, all the shovels. I have a dent in my fender because a, a daughter, uh, somebody's daughter, dropped a shovel on my fender, right? Yeah. Um, Got uh, got those out. Got the rakes. Uh, got the rakes out, and like a leaf blower's in there, and like well, a it's bunch like of pots it's an intent to make the space thingers. usable or like kind of not not optimal, but like you're in so in better. the space doing this work all the time. You want it to be best suited for doing those things. And do you know what? Like, I almost bought an electric lawnmower. Recently, and I still will get one eventually when this one wears out. They're they're pricey, and I'm waiting for like you know the quality is getting better and better every couple of years. Um, but I didn't want to smell like I didn't want to smell like I mowed the lawn, um, and I hate that smell like that combination of like unburned hydrocarbons from a crappy Briggs and Stratton and like grass clippings. Yep. And every time I worked on the driver's side front of my car, like I'm smelling the smell that I hate. Oh yeah. Like, I hate that smell, and it's right below me in my crappy Toro, you know? I mean, it's it's a nice Toro, but it's a stupid lawnmower that I hate looking at, except for when I'm mowing the lawn. The left front wheel on it comes loose every one month because it's a stupid design. Um, like, I hate this lawnmower, except for when it's being used as a lawnmower. Why is it in my stupid garage? Yeah. Like, my dumb, tiny Chicago garage, and now I have a shed. And my life is so, better. I'm super uh, stoked. <laughs> now here we are just complaining about things, but I'll I'll share something similar. I haven't rage I haven't been so enraged that I've done something overly aggressive yet. Um, but uh, we we have a dishwasher in our kitchen. Um, we use a lot of containers and things, so we run the dishwasher often, like right. almost every day. Probably every other day, at least. Um, yeah. And that's pretty normal. Underneath the sink is where we keep like the dishwasher tabs and whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. you have to lean over, you get a dishwasher tab, you put it in the thing, you close it up, you start running it, right? The, the little pod thing. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, all the time, um, I I got so frustrated previously that I emptied out everything that was underneath the sink because we had a million cleaners, a million different containers of stuff, and we only ever used a few of them. And so I moved. It's actually the worst place to store things, too. You need to be able to see if that place is wet. Yeah. Sometimes it gets wet down there. So, like, I moved everything into cabinets in the laundry room because I wanted the to free up some space to find the things that I actually (laughs) used and needed. Um, so I moved like 20 bottles worth of stuff and set everything out nicely and I'll be goddamned if 
she doesn't always put a <laughs> bottle of something on top of the dishwasher tabs. And so every time I open that little box, I first have to move whatever's on top of it uh, to the side <laughs> so that I can get a tab and close it. And it's like... Do you want me to tell you how to make your life better? Please. We have... I open the left door below my sink. We have two doors, right? Yeah. I open the left door, and Sarah has found this neat little container that, that I carefully... It's like a wire mesh. And I carefully screwed it onto the door. It's got a little thing for... You know, the 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 next sponges, because you always got to have the next one, yep. right? Yep. And it's got the little plastic scraper thing for, like, cleaning your, your cast iron pans. And it's got a perfectly sized thing for the dishwasher pods. Oh. And, and it's perfect. So that's what you need to do. Yeah. I really <laughs> I'll just, send you a picture. Uh, I, maybe it's, like, crossover with things at work, but it's a... Uh, what do you use most often and is the space optimized for like the thing that you'll do all the time? And yeah, it makes yeah. me nuts that I have to move a thing that we don't use very often in order to use the thing <laughs> that I use every day. That's probably Sarah's argument for me keeping the lawnmower in the garage. Cause we use it more often than the race car. Well, but, <laughs> but like, um, we also like Ashley and I were, we're sort of arguing about some, uh, kitchen rearrangements that I made because I was frustrated at not having the spices that we used to cook in like within arm's reach um, yep. because they were just like piled up into the pantry. And so I bought an, a, a spice rack where all the jars are the same size and they're all labeled and they're now in uh, a big kitchen drawer right next to where I cook. Mm-hmm. And she Looks said, well, too. I don't like it. And I said, I don't care because I do all the cooking. <laughs> so I'm going to have it right here. You really do like all the cooking? Yeah. Pretty well. So I don't know. Just all trying right. to like optimize the space. I think you can apply yeah. the same logic in your garage, right? Oh, for sure. It, I, I shouldn't have to worry about like actually physically falling into a grinder shelf because like my grinder and sander above the lawn, the lawnmower, right? And like I physically fell into it. And like one of those things into your back doesn't feel great. Yeah. Like, what's the, what's this lawnmower doing in my garage? Yeah. The, meanwhile, there's like anything and everything she wants on the other side, you know. Uh, but what's this lawnmower doing stinking up my garage? I'm gonna buy a shed, and she she pushed back on this like for a couple of weeks, and then because I've been thinking about it, I'm like I've been thinking about putting a shed over on this side on the north side of our house where nobody looks or anything, right? Yeah, And she's like, well, then you're just going to put more car parts in there. I'm like, what are you talking about? I haven't bought a new car part in forever. I don't want any more. I'm selling Yeah, but things, she knows right? that you have 27 transmissions in the basement. I probably only have 24 now. <laughs> I have, uh, I've pillaged and, and parted out things. But, um, I just put like, I, I, I actually like re-sign, I didn't re-sign up, but I reactivated my Facebook account so I could use Marketplace. And I made like, I mean, I sold like a thousand bucks and stuff last week, and then I sold a six, my six liter power stroke out of my project truck for forty five hundred dollars. And like, yeah, I'm trying to get rid of things. Yeah, like, right. I don't want to buy. I don't want to buy new things. We're How's the project truck? Insurance. We haven't talked about the project truck really at all on the show. Yeah, O seven F two fifty quad cab two wheel drive eight foot bed that I'm. I've now decided I'm definitely putting a brand new zero mileage Godzilla motor in it. Is seven point three gasser. So 
Uh, um, can you buy them as like crate engines? You can, and there are tons of money. Uh, otherwise, which is how I'm going to buy it. Um, and this dude's driven at grid life before. Do you, do you remember the dude who had the old school Rolls Royce with the Viper V10 in it and screwed around in time attack for a little bit? Yeah. It's a, it was like a built as a joke lemons car. Um, he owns a high end junkyard, like wrecked Ferraris, wrecked Maseratis and Lambos and stuff like that, uh, in Detroit. But he also, he, you know, he just does all kinds of stuff. There's a company in Detroit that like is converting Ford chassis cab trucks into like electric trucks for like factory uses okay um so he's had a bunch of these he'll take the engine trans ecu wiring gas tank exhaust and he'll sell those as a package and then because he buys them from the company that like takes them out because ford won't sell them just a chassis they have to sell them a running vehicle oh to sure have a vin on it you know so and ford doesn't make an electric truck like that so somebody else does it and they refit it there's somebody in south bend that does the same thing so there's got to be a couple of companies building these like like low mile use electric trucks or whatever they got like a dually rear and they probably put probably use them like big glorified you know jake jornstad pit vehicles you know oh so, sure um but yeah, he's got those, and I've got my name on one, so I got to get myself to Detroit in the next few weeks to buy one. So. How nice! Yep. Yeah, zero miles. I the, he said he sold a bunch to like friends of his, like half a dozen of them, and so he knows like got the details of like what what like plugs to buy, and you can buy them like through Ford or through a couple of other companies to integrate all the wiring into the OEM wiring. You just need to like figure out twenty or thirty pins, and then like you just put it in, and it works. So, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it comes with a, it'll come with a van style uh, fuel tank as well. So, probably use that as the primary fuel tank and then have it fed by the diesel tank, like the 32 gallon diesel tank. So, I might have like a 60 gallon capacity, which would be rad. So, oh, cool. Um, so, I got to figure a bunch of stuff out, but that's the tentative plan. It should bolt right in. Got to make like a trans cross member mod, like move it, drill some holes, but it should be really, really straightforward. Well, why go? So. Why go with that as an option versus like a, a five nine, like in your current setup? Um, so five nines, it turns out, are worth a lot of money. Um, like how much is a lot? I have a, like I paid eighteen hundred bucks. I could sell it for six. Oh, the wow. five nine that I have, uh, but that leads me to think like maybe I don't want two old five nine trucks. Because I'd have like a low mileage truck. The truck had 40,000 miles on it. Never seen the highway. The frame is still silver. Like it's not rusty or anything. It's wild. Um, it was a landscaping truck in Colorado at the Air Force Academy. And the main thing I wanted was a quad cab for like uses as a vehicle. So, you know, having a kid and family and stuff. Uh, I wanted no rust. And I wanted an eight-foot bed two-wheel drive. And that's like a hard truck to find. They didn't sell a ton of two-wheel drive quad cab eight-foot beds. Um but I, I was undecided on the engine. I was going to just buy the whole kit to do the power stroke or to do the five nine versus last time I like built the whole thing. Um, but the kit is like it's like fifty two hundred bucks and stuff. So like yeah, I got the engine. I could probably buy the kit now and I'd be square, right? But sure. I could also buy like a Godzilla, sell the trans, and then have and still have the five nine for my other five nine come and swapped F three fifty, which I'm going to keep. Um. We're going to sell the 99, my dad's old truck, with 674,000 miles on it now. Uh, once the blue truck, the new truck, runs, like once it's a running vehicle, we'll sell the 99 and take that money and put it into a nice interior and stuff like that. So so how soon is that project truck going to 
ex, like become your your daily? Uh, I mean, whatever. There's no stress on it. I've started doing it because I thought in a few years I'm going to want a new daily. So I should probably start thinking about this. You plan? I found the truck. I spent. Yeah, I spent spent six months looking for the truck, and then when I found the truck, I was like, I'm going to see if I can buy this. And then I bought it for. I bought. I paid thirty one hundred dollars plus fees for it. Like it was cheap. Yeah. Got and the you engine that last running. Last year at Pike's Peak, right? Uh, I picked it up last year at Pike's Peak. I bought it four months ahead of that. Bought it like in April or Got something. It. So or May. Had it towed to my dad's friend's house. Because um, it didn't yeah, have keys, a, right? Didn't have keys and didn't have a, com- a fuel computer. They had pillaged that out of it. Put a fuel computer in it. Bought ignition keys. Um, and and then I put new diesel in it and it ran. So neat. Um, neat. Yeah. So got some money out of that finally by joining Facebook. Got some money out of junk off the basement floor. Sold a bunch of race car parts that I'm not going to use. My like intercooler water tank and stuff like that. You know. So yeah. Yeah. Well, sold uh, a set of wheels. So. We we just did a show. It's fifty five minutes, yeah. and I think I'm about to to ready to go to bed. All right, man. I'll upload the file soon, and uh, we didn't pause for ad breaks, but I'm sure you put them in there somewhere. So. Maybe we'll see. Uh, <laughs> thanks everybody right. for listening to the show and supporting uh, what we do, and um, we appreciate your patience. We we used to try to release twice a week, but it's been really hard the last couple of months, and so if we'll, you're, get, we'll if get back to it, or we won't one one way or the other. If we'll you're see. still listening, thanks for being here. Yeah, you're the best. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, man. Bye. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pit Grid Live to say hello. Hello.